0: Welcome to First Time Parents, it's Heidi and I am here, well I was going to say on my lonesome, I'm sitting in a cupboard in Griffo and my cupboard, <laughs> I am sitting alone in here but I have a very special guest today who is filling in for my husband, Woo, Dr Priya Alexander the Wholesome Doctor, hello. Hi Heidi, in your cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you sitting in your cupboard as well? Why. I am. I just love that you are in a cupboard, though. (laughs) Well, one of my best friends who, um, she actually produces podcasts and stuff. And when I told her that, oh, no, we just record on our bed and, you know, and she's like, oh, wow, it sounds so amazing. She goes, but I'll tell you what will make it sound even more amazing if you sit in your cupboard. Oh, maybe I should get in the cupboard. Yeah, well, apparently because like it kind of like the soundproof thing. So, look, we'll see. We'll let people be the judge of that. Let us know what you think of um, (laughs) this. session with the wholesome doctor, Dr. Priya Alexander, whilst I sit in my cupboard... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I really wanted to get you on because we connected. Oh, what um, the start of COVID when um, Edwina Bartholomew and I started Stay Home Mums, which is an Instagram page supporting um, first time mums and um, and expectant mums and new mums through COVID. And you and I just we we constantly contact each other, and we just have a like we were just saying before I turn the mics on. We um, we have a mutual love and respect. We do. I feel like my soul sisters, Heidi. Yes. I feel like we're both kind of these crazy little souls that have just <laughs> collided. It's meant to be. Oh, it's meant to be. Well, I yeah. wanted to get you on because so many first-time parents, I, and I remember I said this to you a few months ago, I don't know how many times I I Googled the most random things when <laughs> you know, we first had Memphis because I didn't and everyone kept saying to me, oh, trust your instincts. You'll know, trust your instincts. But I actually, I
1: didn't have any instincts at the start. And that's allowed. Yeah. And as a first-time parent, I think you go, I don't know what's normal. I don't know where the bar is. I don't know when to stress and what to leave. So I don't think you're alone in that at all. Yeah, and I and I, I would constantly,
0: I remember like Griffo would happily get a few hours sleep in between, you know, feeding and stuff, and I would be sitting there after I'd put Memph down like Googling, why was he grunting? Why was he farting so loud? Was his poo just normal? <laughs> it, how many wee's should he done? Should I have changed his nappy this many times through the night? Oh, my God, he's spit up. Like what does this mean? Like I was always looking for, do you know what I mean, like a solution and an answer. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I, I always felt pretty good about it because someone had always Googled it before me.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know when you type something into Google yes. and it fills the sentence for you? Yes. And you feel like relieved. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm not the first person to Google like how to make a frittata or something. Yeah. And you're like, oh, thank goodness.
0: Oh my God. Um, I Google the most random stuff. But just on a side note, have you ever Googled yourself? Like what does it say about you on Google? What have people Googled about you? Oh well, I think isn't it just it's just pieces that I've written for the media. Oh yeah, so I do some random stuff like um, Heidi Anderson, and then I'll like I'll put it in, and then it will be like fiancé, husband, um, net worth, <laughs> engagement ring. Oh, house. Gee, but you're like proper, you know, you're like proper. <laughs> well, I proper reckon. Deal. I reckon if you went there, like you might see some people have um, googled some random shit about you too. Me. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. Like, why are people worried about your net worth? Well, the thing is apparently everyone has a net worth online, but mine didn't come up. But there's a, yeah, how random. Like, and that's the thing. I'm like, mate, I'm broke. I don't work in radio anymore. And I've been on maternity leave. And just... <laughs> You're like, I don't need Google to tell me my net worth. I know what it is. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm definitely in debt. I know that. <laughs> Oh, so good okay that was a that was a that was a little side note Griffo would have pulled us in line with that um (laughs) well I've got you here because like I said there's so many things as first-time parents that we just don't know the answers to and I think like when you were because you're on maternity leave when you were GPing and you had like new mums and stuff like that and new dads coming into you like were there some really random things that people would go see you for
1: Hundred percent. And can I just say this, Heidi? Like, I think that if if people um have the right GP, they feel really comfortable going in and going, you know, what I've got this question. I know it's probably nothing, but I just need the reassurance. So I think people need to feel, you know, safe and comfy Mm. with their GP to actually ask those weird things that you're thinking. But I get, you know, I get all the normal stuff like what do I do for cradle cat, you know, how can I prevent nappy rash, what should I be bathing my kid with. But I do get people who are like, Priya, I've just got a list of like 10 really quick is this normal questions? And people are like, is it normal for him to to, you know, like you say, grunt in the night? Is it normal if he, you know, uses his left pinky finger on Tuesdays to, you know, do this? People just want kind of That's reaction. me. I'm that person. And that's allowed. I think that's fine. I think I think, you know, particularly as a first time parent, you are so hyper vigilant and you so don't want to stuff things up. Um, even though it's really hard to actually yes. stuff things up, when you realise how resilient they are, that um, yeah, I think ask away, go for it. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, isn't it?
0: Like, and I'd I'd go to our paediatrician because I was really worried about Memphis's flat head, and yes. I literally that was like, so you know when you suffer from anxiety as well, you know when you just yes. focus on something and you and like that was the one thing that I just couldn't let go. Like, I literally stared at the back of his head. For, like, you know, because that like constantly with with breastfeeding and stuff, that that yes. was what I was so worried about. So I would, I just kept going and seeing him like every few weeks and he's like, yep, yeah, Heidi, you. oh, you're back again. And it's I'm
1: like. Same. It's the same as last time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think if going in and, and actually just getting the reassurance is what gives you some peace of mind, I reckon go for it. But plagiocephaly, that's the flathead thing, is so common. But, you know, it's really interesting like different parents will focus on really different things to worry about. And you mentioned it before, but like you're you're worried about the flathead. But I get parents who come in obsessed with poo, obsessed. <laughs> and they're like, I've taken a picture of it, Priya. There was a string of mucus in it. This is what it looked like. I've collected some to bring to you. I've got the nappy here. It was slightly green tinged. He ate peas and then the peas weren't digested. Like I get a lot of people obsessed with poo, baby poo. <laughs> um, I think, you know, cool, come in and ask me. Yeah. rather you bloody come in and ask me yeah. if I enjoy you than you lose sleep over it or are Googling because Google is
0: shocking for I know. You probably know. But, I mean, like I reckon it did save me because, like I said, someone had already Googled it and there was already an answer there. Um, but speaking of the poo, that was something I definitely spoke to him about when I went in with my list for his flathead as well <laughs> because um, I noticed that whenever Memph would have dairy, so I ended up, like, you know, narrowing it down to dairy that he would get a mucousy poo. And yep. so I ended up taking him off dairy for a long time and he's probably only just started to have it again now. Um,
1: so what? Well, what is a normal poo? So normal poo, I think the the answer to that is there's a spectrum and it's huge and what's normal for each baby is really different. So there are some babies who will poo daily um, and, you know, formula-fed infants might poo daily, whereas breastfed infants like my son used to go kind of every three days. Wow. um, And that's completely fine and normal. Um, You know, what isn't normal is if your child is distressed when they're trying to poo, so if they're in pain, if there's ever blood streaking in the poo, Um, if they're pooing really, really frequently um, and you think that they're distressed with it and perhaps, you know, there's something that's irritating the gut, that's when you need to worry. But if your kid's kind of pooing and, you know, they're not distressed and they're able to push it out without being constipated, um, they're gaining weight normally, they're getting plenty of wet nappies and they're hydrated, mate, it's probably normal. And that kind of mucus in poo in babies is really, is really normal actually. Like it's not, it doesn't mean that oh, something's necessarily wrong. Well, that's what I kept thinking something was wrong.
0: Like, and, you know, I like, yeah, that that was another thing that actually used to bother me, not to the point that, you know, I was a fully obsessed, but I just watch it. Like, and now, like, I noticed that Memph was constipated the other day because he poos twice a day. He'll do okay. one in he's the morning. Yeah, he's a pooer. And they're big, massive shits as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I like to the point that grew are like Jesus, like what? But the, he is a little garbage guts. He is obsessed with food. Like he, I, I, I know, like I can't believe it. Like because I was so paranoid about starting solids, and that's something we can chat about as well. I was yep. so, I was so anxious, and we had Dr. Kyla come on, so people can go back and listen to that. Um, and you know, she's a pediatric uh, pediatric dietitian here in Perth and um she like pretty much got me over the anxiety of it because I was just so worried about him choking I was so yeah. worried about all these things you know that I just wanted to keep him on the boob forever but now he is like a little menace with food and like he eats everything and anything Put on in. yeah I love it yeah so what it. what what is it with first-time parents the main thing that you see with solids would it be the same thing like the anxiety around choking and stuff
1: I think so there is some anxiety around that and I would say that there are some really good resources like Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, Raising Children Network, which actually explain the difference clearly between choking and gagging. So have a look at that in the video so that you're really clear on it if you're anxious. Um, But the thing I reckon people, Heidi, get um, anxious about is people think there are all these rules to starting solids and people are like, I don't want to start with the wrong food, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. And I think what happens is people get flooded with so much information that they that they think they're going to somehow eff it up, and there's this yep. real pressure to to do it. You know, I say in brackets the right way, not brackets. What are those things called? Oh, or um,
0: the um right oh, way. God. You know me at the moment. I've got baby brain. We can talk about yeah, that right. as well. I've um, got baby
1: brain and lockdown brain, so I'm in a very special <laughs> <official> place.
0: <laughs> Mate, wow. Oh, look, this I've got covered brain, baby <laughs> brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you know, I know what you're trying to say. Anyway,
1: everyone, you'll know what it is. We just can't remember. You know, what I say to patients is, look, there's no single right way to do this. And my spiel is basically... There are some really hard rules with starting solids, like don't ever give whole nuts because of the risk of choking. Don't give kids kids under 12 months old any honey, even if it's cooked because of the risk of a rare infection called um, botulism. Um, You know, there are some really, really clear rules, but the rest of it honestly is, is quite gray. Like as long as you're giving your kids iron rich foods, um, because that's why you ideally start solids around the four to six month mark um, to basically bump up the iron content in their diet. As long as you're giving iron-rich foods and you're you're kind of watching for allergies and irritants. As long as you're always supervising your kid when they eat to reduce the risk of choking. Um, as long as you're doing it safely and you're you're having a crack, you're okay. You know you can choose baby-led weaning and and purees. There's so much information out there. I often post on this stuff, but. There's no bloody single right way to do this. Like, you know, you can do it whatever way you want as long as you're safe and you're fine.
0: Oh, and I love that you say that because I feel like there is...
1: And there is a lot of information
0: out there. And so I think as, you know, whether you're an anxious mum or a dad or what, I think you can still certainly feel that overwhelm and I think that's why people sometimes do struggle in mother's groups and stuff as well because there's so many opinions and I think there is that thing in us that just tries to be perfect and like that A-plus student and that's the, I think, and a a lot of people say it's not till you usually have your second that you're like, oh, fuck, like don't even worry about it, you know
1: i'm at with my second with my son i'm it's so much more fun hiding yeah like i feel guilty but i'm like oh my gosh i enjoy this so much more the second time yeah I'm because i know it doesn't freaking matter if i give avocado as the first food or baby rice cereal or mashed whatever banana it doesn't actually matter like, yeah you know it's And it's just so much more fun. Yes. I actually enjoy him more because I'm not stressing about all the little stuff.
0: Yeah, and that's where I got to with Memph with solids as well. And, you know, like I, so I did all the allergy stuff at the start and there were some days that I would be like, Griff, I would be at work and I'm like, no, you're going to live on the edge today, Heidi. I'd talk to myself. I'm like, (laughs) just give him a little bit of peanut butter and see what happens. Like what's the worst thing that can happen? And so I would just give him a tiny little bit, and um, you know, on the inside of his lip and then, you know, I'd kind of see and then we'd slowly like do a little bit every day because I thought, well, I've just got to start taking the risks. I've got to just be risky here. And I'm so glad I did. And like that, I really embraced it because I was so anxious and like i said now he eats everything and anything i don't even have to cut up his food half the time because he literally i just give it to him on his um you know on his little table and he will just pick it up and gnaw on it (laughs) like he's
1: yeah Um, he's a machine that's that's how you raise a good feeder like you've got to kind of be a little bit adventurous and give them a bit of everything and persist with stuff because that's how you raise you know a good eater like a not a fussy one ideally but can we just give people, Heidi, because you mentioned the allergy foods, like yes. tips on that, because it's such a good, um, that makes me excited because I'm such a nerd. Um, <laughs> but, you know, allergy foods, like you mentioned, like smooth peanut um, protein or peanut butter, um, egg, cow's milk, sesame soy. You can look at this site called Knit Allergies in the Pub because it's awesome. But Allergy foods you want to get in ideally before 12 months of age. So try and get them in so that um, you can reduce the risk of food allergies because it's so bloody worthwhile.
0: Yeah, and I well, I heard as well um, that you sometimes with babies and stuff, they won't always react the first time either. So, don't. Um, yeah. so to keep trying it a little bit like here and there. I think like how many times would you say that you're probably
1: not safe, but, um, you know, to give it a go? So basically what we know is that you ideally want to start all those foods, um, you know, the tree tree nuts, the the peanut paste, the the cow's milk, all the rest of it. You ideally want to introduce them before 12 months of age. Usually kids don't react on the first time because the body's not sensitised. So once you give it once, if the body's going to react, it gets sensitised, it gets kind of hypervigilant and the, the army in the immune system comes out. So the next time the kid has the food, you might see the reaction. Um, But if you, you know, like you said, if you gave the peanut protein maybe three days in a row, um, gradually increasing the quantity, there's no reaction, you can go, okay, you know, Memphis seems really fine with peanut protein, but you want to keep giving him peanut protein about once a week to make sure the body keeps saying, seeing oh, it. Oh, yeah. It. Okay. I probably haven't done that enough. Like, I mean, I have, but,
0: like, not every week. Do you know what I mean? Like, And he's never had any reactions. Rough. Yeah, it's roughly. Rough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. And what kind of, so for allergies for, for first-time parents, what kind of things will they look for?
1: So if you if so the thing's to be worried about is if you gave something like an allergy food or if it's not but say you gave egg for instance and you noted that your child got any swelling on the face lip area you would stop you would seek medical attention you wouldn't give the food again until a, a pediatrician allergist gp said it was safe If your child had the food and developed a rash around the mouth, anything around the mouth after eating a particular food, stop the food, get a medical review, don't give it again. Um, If a kid, you notice they keep eating a particular food and they get kind of, um, you know, stool changes persistently, particularly blood in the stools, Oh, yeah. um, Discomfort, then, you know, again, I would get it reviewed. But... When you're talking about anaphylaxis, like proper allergy with throat swelling that can be, you know, fatal, we're looking at those kind of reactions around um, the mouth and also hives, anything that suggests an allergic reaction, stop the food and seek medical attention.
0: Okay. Yeah. And and like I said, that was something that I was really worried about because I had quite a lot of allergies when I was a kid. Um I don't remember mum talking about it when I was a baby, but I had to do that whole allergy test where they do all the pricks yeah. up your arm and I was allergic to so much stuff, but as I've got older, I've grown out of so much. Yeah. Perfect. yeah.
1: Perfect.
0: Um, what about so I reckon for right now for me teething has been like our episode last week that Griff and I did was finally has teeth we're like yes like we've (laughs) literally been talking about it for freaking oh six months we reckon (laughs) since it was four and a half months I swear he was and we finally got teeth and they're
1: all coming through at once he's got like four pretty much at once but my daughter yeah yeah she was the same yeah no teeth until about nine months like she was we used to call her gummy shark yes <laughs> um, and then suddenly, just had
0: like four teeth, and we were like, "Oh, yeah." Well, what? Yeah. Um, so he, I notice at the moment he's got a really bad. It kind of looks like um acne all around his yes. um mouth, and he did get one night this really intense nappy rash that um yes. literally was like his like his bum was on fire, and everyone I've spoke to said that that's what happened to their baby when they were teething. But when I googled, it was saying no, that's not a thing.
1: No, it can be a thing. So we know that when kids are teething, you can have changes in the um, in the pH, the acidity of the saliva, mm. um, basically to help the tooth come out. And so there's this theory that basically the saliva acidity changes, which can then affect the stool, which can also, because the pH of the saliva is different, the stool can be more irritating to the skin. Um, so it's certainly something I have read about before, and I've seen it as well as a GP, but... Um, you know, it's all the classic stuff. Heidi, with nappy rash, which is a real pain. Nappy rash, I get patients in with that all the time, and people feel so guilty. Yes, mm-hmm. I do. I felt so guilty because right. I was like, "Oh no!"
0: And um, and also we'll get get onto this, but Memphis gets like because he's a boy, <laughs> he gets like kind of like what it you know irritated between his penis and his
1: balls. Yes, like yep. um, and uh, that and looks so it. painful. And, and people, People think with nappy rash that they've done something wrong. Yes. You know, like I've neglected my child. I'm a crap parent. Yes. No, it's, it's not, you know, it's not that at all. It is literally that the feces and the urine are irritants to the skin. It can happen to bloody anyone. Don't feel guilty about it. I mean, you can try and prevent nappy rash by giving kids nappy off time, which is what we do with our son. You know, yeah. Like 45 minutes before bath, just with his nappy off and bloody wheeze everywhere. <laughs>
0: Um, I think but, that's why I haven't let I do, I used to let him for the time, but and because it's cold at the moment, I just haven't been doing it. And I used to let him have nappy free time at the start, but now I'm a little bit like, oh, you got to pee or poo everywhere, like.
1: <laughs> but I probably still, should it just do airs it more. It out, you know, yeah. Like, imagine that little nappy; it just airs it out. Yes, and, you know, it dries the skin out a bit. It's good for it. But you know, barrier creams like zinc thick creams, if you apply them at every nappy change and you do it really thickly. Um, That basically protects the underlying skin from the urine and the faeces on top, so it stops the skin from getting irritated. So barrier cream's are key. And basically just regular, frequent nappy changes. The other thing people don't realise, though, Heidi, is bloody baby wipes. They can be a real killer for nappy rash. They're often fragranced. They're they're actually quite irritating to skin. So if you're going to use them, you ideally want to go no fragrance really simple but if you can get away with using like a clean brand new chuck's cloth or a flannel with water that's more gentle for the skin Just yeah you know, yeah.
0: Really, yeah yeah and that's what i had um i mean we use wet wipes but like we use the water ones but still i yeah. think they even have tiny little bit in it but i definitely did all the like you know did go like oh no and he went through a couple of phases not bad like i said the main nappy rush he had that was really bad was when he teethed the other day but Um, we found like a cream that really works for him. And I got this really awesome, she's a chick in Western Australia. I can't remember, but it's called like Esme and it's a natural organic one. And anytime I've used that, when he's had like a little speck of eczema or on his bottom when he, and like, you know, in between his pain and that, it's literally gone the next day. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And so, but I
1: mean, there's lots of, um, so there's lots of um like there's i'm trying to think the royal children's hospital has a thing called nappy goo i think it is it's Uh really amazing it's probably the same stuff that you're using yeah which is great you just want to make sure whatever you're applying to your baby's skin and i say this i feel like a broken record on everything i go and talk on and my insta all the time but ideally nothing with food protein in it right Okay, and also should you always, you should always test like on their toe or something or
0: like, you know, or their foot or something first if you're going to use something random, would you say? Or well, did I just make that you up?
1: Can. <laughs> it's unlikely kids will react to like, you know, normal kind of non-offensive stuff. But the food protein thing is because, you know, people love to rub all sorts of beautiful stuff on their kids' skin with like goat's milk and... And coconut um, oil and, and stuff? Milk. Yes, that stuff. Anything with a food protein, sesame oil, coconut, we basically say do not put anything with any food protein on your baby's skin. And the reason is, is that if you're putting, for instance, on a three or four month old, um, say coconut oil or shea butter or something with a food protein in it, basically you can actually increase the risk of food allergies. Oh, that sounds crazy, yeah. Basically, your baby sees these allergens as we know them through the skin and not through the gut, and so it can increase the risk of food allergies. So basically we just say unless the food is already in your kid's diet and they're a bit older like Memphis, don't put stuff with food protein on your kid's skin, no goat's milk, no nothing. Like we just use paraffin on our kid um, and like QV, Cetaphil, like stuff with no food protein because it can be risky.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, there's so many things to that. You go like, oh, but there always seems to be an answer. Why? What about, um, cause we're talking about creams here. I was just thinking one of the things that I stressed about because I used to go down the beach every morning with Memphis in the baby carrier. Um, I'd used to go down real early cause I was always, and even then I was still putting like, I wanted to put sunscreen on him, but there was a certain age that I was like, oh, I don't want him to wear sunscreen yet. Like his poor little
1: skin. So when do you kind of start using sunscreen with babies? That's a goodie. So basically we say kids under six months old, you ideally want to um, avoid the sun. So you want to go with shade, you know, put him in the carrier, covering him as much as you can, basically not exposing them to too much sun. Because their skin is so bloody delicate... Um, chemical sunscreen, so the stuff that most people would probably use, we try and say don't use them on kids under six months of age. And the reason is because they can be irritating, but also kids, you know, baby skin, you know how fragile it is. It basically absorbs chemicals rapidly. Yeah. And so if you're putting chemical sunscreen on, the, the skin can rapidly absorb it. So we're saying kids under six months go with ideally no sun exposure, but if you had to maybe use a barrier sunscreen, so you know that thick zinc stuff that sits on the top of the the skin and basically bounces off the UV rays? Yes,
0: so I think there was one called that we used, it was like Moo or something, I can't remember, Moo Yeah, so they're generally
1: harder to rub in because they're barrier, but they tend to be safer because they don't get absorbed into the kid's skin. But from six months of age, we say you can um, use chemical sunscreens and the way to do it, and that's where I think you're thinking, Heidi, is um, with your toe comment before, yes, off, yep. is we say try it on a place like the forearm first, on a little bit of skin, check there's no irritation, no redness, and if your child tolerates it, then you can proceed and use it. Um, but there's all these rules with sunscreen, and I see so many patients stuff it up, but you would ideally want to apply you know, to all the areas you think you're gonna miss on kids like ears and things you wanna to reapply to hourly. It's quite a it's quite a skill the sunscreening kids, I gotta say. Yeah, I know. And like
0: my biggest thing is cause I'm high risk, I get my skin check I have to get my skin checked every year. Cause I've yeah. got, um, lots of like, you know, I've got over a hundred moles and okay. I, yes, that doesn't give a risk, yeah. Right. And so I, and my mom had a melanoma. So, um, I yeah. always, I'm so, and like, you know, it doesn't cost much and that's, you know, for any parent listening right now, like I noticed I had like sc- sunspots come out when I was pregnant, like, you know, they, they really like, um, blew up. So. I am so, like, with Memphis, because we live 600 metres from the beach, I know that in Western Australia that there are a lot of people that are young that have had skin cancer and melanomas. So I'm really, like... Right got to sort this out from a you know from such a young age like i would want yeah. I was wanting to put bloody sunscreen on him at six a m in the morning because <laughs> when we would walk back, the sun would be rising or whatever um yeah. it, you know because I'm just so paranoid
1: like that do you know what it's so much better to be paranoid, so will my husband is a plastic surgeon who sees you know people in there. 20s with with these significant melanomas and he just comes home freaked out because he's like people just think you cut it out and it's done and it's not no you know can this can rapidly spread people are often on you know these immunotherapies and radio like it's full on like melanoma it is it's
0: hectic, and I worked with um, Melanoma WA here in Western Australia, and so that's when I learnt a lot about it. And I yeah. just, you know, like Clint, the guy who runs it, you know, he he nearly died. Like he, they never even found the melanoma because it was growing in other spots, and that's what yeah. that's when they realised. And you know, he's he's fought back a couple of times, and um, so yeah, I'm so so like oh god i just i just don't want memphis to grow up thinking that you know she'll be right mate like i used some beds and all that dumb stuff when i
1: was younger yeah and i think as we've learned more um i think people are now becoming you know hopefully more aware of it but it's probably worth saying to people on this podcast as parents like i say to parents all the time um and on my instagram as well you know you have the power to actually change your kid's skin cancer trajectory so Mm. we know that if a kid is sunburned under the age of 18 like blistering sunburn or significant sunburn it actually increases their risk of melanoma like so i say to parents like you can actually reduce your kid's risk of melanoma in later life um by just being a good um you know sun advocate so basically saying put your hat on you know my daughter knows no hat no play um in summer there's always got to be sunscreen and you, you need kids when they get older obviously not like memphis but you need kids to learn how to, to put it on themselves. They need to apply it. They need to know to put it on their ears. They need to know to put it on, um, you know, the back of their neck and all these other places. It's got to be kind of, you know, it's another bloody thing as a parent that you've got to spend a lot of time
0: on. Yes. Oh, my God, yep. so much. Um, speaking of skin, let's talk about boys for skin. <laughs> yes. Good I got a lot of questions about this, <laughs> so go on. Well, I guess because I don't have a penis. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, as a mum, and I genuinely believed that I was going to have a girl. I never thought in my wildest dreams I was going to be a mum of a boy and now I can't imagine being a mum of a girl. But um, I, I, so like, you know, I said to Griffo, like, what what do you do with the foreskin? Like, when do I learn to show him? And I've got to teach him. I don't know how to bloody do it. So, because I I, I have heard since then that it's like two years old, you don't start cleaning.
1: Yeah. So this is what I get a lot of parents asking. The first thing is, You do not need to retract your child's foreskin to clean it. it. So please just don't do it because it can be really uncomfortable for children. Plus it's really tight and it's actually normal for it to just sit forward um, for the glands of the penis, which is that, you know, the the front portion of the penis. It's normal for that not to be exposed in babies. Just leave it. And so people will ask me, that's one of the things I often get, Heidi, like, (laughs) what do I do with the penis in the (laughs) bath? And I'm like, you just do nothing and you just (laughs) gently wash around it and wash it and that's it. Okay, perfect. Kids will naturally fiddle with their own penis. Oh, my Um, God. He already is fiddling, Priya. that's fine. That is fine. Let him go and he (laughs) might retract it himself around age two, three. Um, You know, some kids might start to retract it. Some kids don't have a retracted foreskin even at age kind of five. Um, That can be normal. And so I just say stop worrying too much about the foreskin Mm. and it, it sorts itself out in a sense. What what would you say about? I mean, without going into
0: your opinion on, of it, but like, do you see many people that have the um?
1: What's it? Oh God! Now I've got baby. You're going to say circumcision. Yes, that's the word. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that baby, it's that covered brain. Damn it! Um, look, circumcision. So, look, we as a GP, you know, I will obviously, um, you know, I can only really refer to public hospitals for circumcision. For medical reasons so for kids who've got a condition called phimosis which is where you've got um really scarred narrowed foreskin um which can cause issues or if kids have recurrent infections of the glands so balanitis so i can really only refer to the public system for a medical reason but privately i have patients who get circumcisions for religious yeah yeah Um, And that's fine. That's people's decisions. But, you know, certainly as a GP, um, you know, I only advocate for them for medical reasons. But if someone chooses to do it for the other stuff, religious or cosmetic or whatever, that's, you know, that's a parent's decision like lots of other things. So that's cool.
0: Yeah, well, one of my girlfriends, she, um, her baby's like a few months younger than Memph and she got him circumcised because like to look like his dad. What oh, to look like, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, she was like, oh, I didn't want him to feel different or whatever or something like along those lines. And I was like, yeah, well, you do you. Like, it, But it was so interesting w- looking at his little penis compared to Memphis's. like that's what I was like, oh, wow, like,
1: you know, seeing yeah. it, like it's amazing. It's a weird thing, um, you know, so I, it becomes this kind of, uh, talked about topic amongst you know groups of you know men women as we get older it yeah. kind of it becomes this thing that divides. <laughs> I ask people. <laughs> oh,
0: you love it. I <laughs> think I asked it's my so mum. Rotten. Yeah, and I've asked my mum, especially now, like because obviously Gruffo and Memphis aren't circumcised. And I said to mum, "Is Dad and Nick like my brother?" <laughs> <laughs> But do you know what? I can't even remember what she said now, but I just remember I being... Me. You asked a question, but it's just, it's gone. Yeah, it's, it's gone. more just for pure interest in that moment and then... But, I, but speaking of that, like I, you know, I think this is a big question for people as well, baby brain, because a lot of men will say that, it, oh, it's not real. Like you guys are making that up. Um, but I swear to God, Priya, the other night I left two candles burning in the spare room overnight. And then I, the next day I blew up the microwave because I forgot to put water in, um, you know, like to sanit- uh, to sterilise his things and it actually blew up the microwave. It melted, and then I then after straight after that I put tacos in the oven, and I forgot about them, and then they caught fire.
1: And I was like, "Holy!" Can I, as your as your friend GP, can I just say? I mean, you know, that's significant forgetfulness. <laughs> baby brain like I'm a little bit worried here, but baby brain is definitely a thing. Like it is I think I, I remember reading research that says actually yes it's a thing. Women do get foggy, um there can be concentration changes, absolutely it's a thing. But I almost wonder we in your case, just think about it, just think about it. But you could you know, something like hypothyroidism low thyroid. Ah, oh. Postpartum. Oh like shit. Like there's actually a- something wrong with me. <laughs> Well, it's just you know, if, if if there was every, if there was ever any other symptoms, and like I'm not, you know, I'm just saying to people, what other symptoms? Yes, baby should... brains a thing, but yeah. often there could, could be something else going on. So I just say to people, generally speaking, if you ever noticed other stuff like changes in your weight, or yeah, yeah, you were losing your hair unexpectedly, or your skin was more dry than normal, or you were more constipated, or something. My
0: hair is, I'm, I'm losing my hair, and my skin's really dry. Oh no. No, well, I would just say that's <laughs> worth going and chatting to your GP about. Yeah, that's well, actually, I'm going to see her next week because um, I found a nice one up here because I, I wanted to find someone like you and I'm going to talk because because you know how you get a few lumps in your boobs when you're breastfeeding? Like, you know, your boobs aren't like not the the pea size ones, but, you know, they just feel like one size feels a little bit and so I just want to get her to show me how to Good. check my boobs again and I Good. also want to pick up some Vagifem because it's helped me a lot. with. Good. Um, You know, the the dryness of um, my internals because sex really hurt at the start. And so I was going to just do like a women's health check with her. Good. Book a double appointment. Yeah, I did because I was like, that's so important to me. And, you know, some people don't like to do that stuff. But now more than ever, like, you know, my mum, she's had some things over the years and stuff like that.
1: And I just I want to make sure I'm on top of that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't advocate for that more. I think I want to high-five you if I could if it wasn't COVID and we weren't in different states. God Um, damn it. But, yes, like, book a bloody double. Go in with your list. Feel empowered so that you can leave without having to worry about, oh, is this normal, is this not, should I be worried by this? You know, the other thing you've just mentioned then about the Vagifem. Yes. For people listening, is kind of a a vaginal estrogen cream that you can use. It's prescribed. Um, and sometimes we use it postpartum for women um, who are struggling with painful intercourse because we know that postpartum and also breastfeeding um, women can have, you know, can struggle with vaginal dryness. couple of things. First of all, a water-based lubricant like Silk, I don't like to go for brands, but that one tends to work really well for my patients, is awesome. And use way more lubricant than what you think is what I say to people. Yep. But um, sex... A, should not be painful, ideally, and B, sex is important, so don't just accept it as being normal. Don't just go, sex is going to be different after a baby because it doesn't have to be. Like, yeah. I just think sex is so important to relationships, to your feeling good about you, to your, um, you know, how you perceive yourself, how you perceive yourself in your relationship if you're in one. It's such a crucial element. Don't ignore it. Oh my god, a hundred percent! But can I just say, since I was using
0: Vagifem and I've known because of the last three weeks, I haven't had any. Um, and my doctor was hard to get into. I have noticed, like, I'm not as horny, but like Vagifem actually makes me horny as well. So I kind of want to use that's it. The for, estrogen, yeah, yeah that's the Estrogen. I want to use it for the rest of my life because no, I reckon I like, this well, stuff. well, I reckon in my thirties anyway, because. I've had like I had a few hormone issues before, so I know for me it's definitely helped with my sex drive. So, yeah. is that something you can use forever?
1: Well, would we use it forever? Like it's still delivering estrogen, you know, in a in a sense. And we we wouldn't want to use it forever, ever, ever. Ideally, if I'm being completely honest, I yeah. mean, you probably could. It's it's a lower risk product than perhaps taking it orally, but. We would eventually try and wean you off it. Mm, okay. and, look at, and look at once you're off it. And perhaps not breastfeeding at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why else is your libido low? Like I would probably explore that, you know. Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to
0: talk to the doctor about that too. Um, okay. Before we wrap up, because I know you've got to go off and um, feed little Jackie boy, What's, um, what is the go with, speaking of hair loss and stuff, for women? It, it, for me it happened around about four months. Um, yes, perfect, and all, that's all, the key. Yeah, <laughs> and all the, you know, like I've got all the little baby hair around the, the front. Like is that,
1: again, to do with your hormones? So that is basically, so postpartum hair loss, oh, such a cracker because I'm clogging the drains here at the moment and Will's just um, (laughs) getting like, like, he's just like, I can't believe how much you're losing. The first thing is what happens when you're pregnant is due to the hormonal fluctuations, you basically stop losing hair. So it just gets retained. Um, And normally in your normal hair cycle, if you're not pregnant, you do just normally lose a bit of hair, a bit bit here, a bit there, but it's not all um, occurring at the same time. So you don't notice it as much. When you're pregnant, you retain it and then postpartum, at about that four-month mark, which is where you're saying it happened for you, which is classic, um, basically because of the hormone shifts, um, you basically get hair loss again and you don't actually lose more than you normally would have in the preceding nine months. You just lose it all at the kind of same time, so it feels like you're going bald. Yeah. Um, and so it's completely normal. For some women, it can actually persist for quite a while and I'd say again... If you're noticing other stuff like skin changes, unexplained fatigue, weight changes, anything else, just check there's nothing else going on like hypothyroidism. But otherwise, it's completely normal. And sadly, there's not a huge amount of hiding that you can do about it except for ideally don't use too much heat therapy like straightening and blow drying. Try not to wash it too vigorously. Try to reduce how much you're washing your hair so you don't tear as much out. But other than that it's just it's just part and parcel of this beautiful beautiful journey. Uh, I, I wish say that, that uh, slightly sarcastic manner uh, it's sometimes beautiful and sometimes pretty crazy. <laughs> and, and I'm like why isn't the hair
0: falling out in my vagina? Like that's what <laughs> I want to know. I just had to go get a wax the other day for God's sake. Like I would have been that's happy true. if <laughs> I would have been happy if the hair was falling out there but no, it's falling out literally right at the front where everyone can <laughs> see it. Not, you know, yeah. where I want to actually want to have hair removal. <laughs> I know. I hear you sister. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? There's so many still so many other things that I'm sure we could still talk about that um, people wanna know and wanna ask and um, they can find all the info at you um, on your Instagram, which is at wholesome doctor, isn't it? At Yes, at the wholesome doctor. I think. At the wholesome that doctor that I don't
1: even know
0: what doing, <laughs> Yeah, but it's not like you usually, you know, go check out yourself.
1: Um... No, is, I've just looked at it. It's the wholesome doctor. Yeah, the wholesome. W, people are like, why is it wholesome with a W? And I'm like, because that's how you spell it, I think. Yeah, that is how you spell it.
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. Thanks for filling in for Griffo. Thanks for chatting to me in the cupboard. <laughs> Thanks
1: for having me on, my love. I love chatting to you, and mm-hmm. I hope it's helpful for the for the parents
0: listening. Oh, it's so good. Like I said, there'll be plenty of people not going to Google today. They'll be checking out this <laughs> podcast. Well, if you are enjoying the podcast, make sure you, um, if you're happy and loving it, we'd love to you for, to rate it five stars. I do stumble sometimes when I say that because I'm like, make sure you give us five stars. Um, <laughs> don't give us anything less, please. Um, but if you do have feedback or you want to contact us, we do have a First Time Parents private Facebook group or you can find me on Instagram at underscore Heidi Anderson. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Love ya. Bye-bye.